Hey everybody. Here we are, cruising through 2021 at a snail's pace, wondering when the next big lockdown will end and what is the greater meaning behind this pandemic and how it's altered our lives. I think about this podcast and I realized that it was a conscious choice for me to create something, a bit of a creative endeavor in the midst of the fairly everyday life that I live, which in this pandemic feels unsurprisingly repetitive. Oftentimes I search for the greater meaning behind a lot of the choices that I make. And in this episode, my guest, Gordon Hall, shows me that he's no stranger to that same search. As our conversation unfolded, his take on that search turns in a convoluted way. But as you'll see, that uncertainty and mist that Gordon ventures into seems somehow to bring him closer to the goal that he was already seeking. Hey Gordon, thanks for joining me today. I'm excited to chat about your background a bit. And before we get started with that, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, hey, um, so I'm Gordon. I'm 28 years old, uh, living in sunny Manchester. Um, I'm originally from Southeast London, though. I moved up here about four years ago. Nice. uh, What's it like living in Manchester? I've only ever really lived in London in the UK and kind of always curious what other cities are like. You know, we had a crazy couple of years going here with Brexit and everybody told me the North is more conservative than the South and so on and so forth. But I'm curious if that's like accurate like do you or people go to church on sundays and that kind of thing i don't know i I wouldn't say it's more conservative up here certainly where i'm from uh like in southeast london was a very conservative like village um and then moving up here in like manchester is very left-wing although it did um overwhelmingly the north certainly did vote for brexit like brexit i don't think it was a simple left-right divide um, up here as much as it was down in London. No, it's uh, it's really nice up here. It's really chilled out. Everyone's a lot friendlier than in London. It's a bit of a slower pace at life. Uh, I don't go to church on Sundays um, anymore, um, although I'm sure we'll get into um, that a little bit later on in the conversation. Yeah, I want to talk about that. I want to know what you mean by you don't go to church on Sundays anymore. Were you going to church on Sundays were you going to church any other days? Like, were you were you just one of those people who would like pop in on Sunday and try to not fall asleep or something else? Yeah, so I was, I guess I'd call myself a super Christian. Um, certainly at the time, I was part of a few different churches. I grew up in the Church of England, was going to that church, like a small Anglican church in my village for the first like 15, 16 years of my life, got involved in doing some of the music stuff there. They had a contemporary worship band that I helped to set up and did a bit of the this like sound technology stuff as well. And then I moved to a more conservative Baptist church when I was about 16 because I fancied a girl there. Um, <laughs> then that kind of made me get more and more involved in different things. I felt a community there. 
And because of that community, it meant that I wanted to get more involved. And actually, while I was going through uh, looking at some of the stuff that we were going to talk about today, I accidentally on my notes on my iPad went right down to the bottom to about 2012. And I found some notes from my time in that church. And it was really weird seeing me talking about the different Bible verses and, oh, yeah, I'll talk about this in the youth group and stuff like that, because I was pretty much at church every single day of the week um, in my late teens. I was going to church on Sundays. I did. Um, we had like planning meetings for the events committee on Mondays. We had a youth group on Tuesdays. We had other small groups on Wednesdays. We had another youth group on Thursdays. Um, and even more stuff going on kind of uh, on Fridays and then Saturday, I think was my day off, although we used to use that time to go up to churches in London that had events going on and then back to Sunday, uh, two services then. So I was in church most days of the week. Wow. Yeah. And then when I was about 20, after feeling kind of quite burnt out at that church where I was just doing so much, but I wasn't really, there weren't really many people my age there. I decided to move to a bigger church in London that had a lot more people kind of in their early 20s. And I stayed there basically until I moved up to Manchester. Just, I know this is probably entering into a larger story. What happened there? And I guess in the midst of the story, I'm wondering, is that why you ended up leaving London? Yeah, I definitely played a part in me leaving London. So to give a, a bit of background, so I, I, I no longer go to church. I uh, left the church and I do kind of talk about that on my podcast. But yeah, I was at this big mega church in London, which you know they have like 5,000 members. They do about 10 services every Sunday across different locations. But I moved there initially to just be a member of the congregation, but I slowly found myself getting more and more involved in different things until I was doing a leadership training course. I then started working for the church, doing some media stuff, and I was on the pathway to becoming a vicar. But while all of that stuff was going on, I was experiencing doubts and questions to do with my beliefs. And I was almost deconstructing the the beliefs that I had to the point where when I was about 23, 24, I realized that I, I couldn't call myself a Christian anymore. That's a pretty big decision to make at, at an age that I think if I was 23, 24, I, I was not even certain of the clothes that I was wearing every day, you know, pretty big life change. And I'm imagining based on what you've said that this was your whole life. So can I ask, like, what was that first time that doubt crept into your thought process? Yeah, like I said, this was quite a long process. It didn't just happen overnight. So when I was about 17, 18, I was in a very, very conservative church and I was volunteering on a youth camp doing detached outreach. So basically this youth camp, it had about 12,000 young people who had come from different churches and youth groups across the country. Uh, every morning and every evening, they had a big celebration event where they did like worship singing they had a talk there'd be opportunities for ministry and people to commit their lives to god and stuff like that while that was going on 
And the team I was on was basically going around the campsite while those big meetings were going on, trying to engage with the young people that weren't in those meetings. And while I was on the team, I was walking through near the kind of marketplace area and I saw this girl kind of sitting on the ground and she was sitting there and she'd written on this uh, like piece of paper with some eyeliner. I'm a gay Christian problem with a question mark at the end. And I'd been brought up to believe that those two things were mutually exclusive, that you couldn't be gay and a Christian, that being gay was a sin, that it was punishable by going to hell and and all this kind of stuff. And that was one of the first times that I'd been like that I'd seen this, uh, these two things that I thought were mutually exclusive, supposedly together in this one person saying that they were both gay and a Christian. And that really stuck with me. And it really almost started to set alarm bells off in my head as what you've been taught, what you believe doesn't quite add up. There must be something more going on here throughout the like year after that happened i was researching i was looking at um like the the original hebrew and the original greek of the bible to try and understand what the passages that talk about homosexuality are saying i was um you know looking at blogs all, all kinds of stuff trying to to kind of reconcile this the thing that just didn't seem to quite add up and that led me to deconstruct the kind of notions of sexuality and se- like basically the biblical understanding of sex and relationships. I realized that the way that the church interprets it now is very different to the way that it was the way it was written for the community that that text was actually written into. And I guess that kind of started my doubts, but I, I always describe it as like, um, if you imagine a, a woolen jumper and mm. one of the threads starts to come loose on it, it was almost like I started to pull at that thread, but as you know, with, with a woolen jumper, it's all one thing, isn't it? It's all one piece of wool. And so as you start pulling at that one thread, sooner or later, the whole jumper has gone. Mm. I'm curious. Um, did you ever run into that person again? And other people like them and and now you know 2020 gordon versus when this happened do you look back and think how did i ever think that or have your thoughts really changed a lot like i'm kind of putting you on the spot there yeah so um i I definitely have changed my thoughts um are definitely uh vastly different to the person that i was back then I've definitely evolved a lot. I, I did see that person again. We actually became quite good friends for a few years. She's uh, like a couple of years younger than me. And uh, when she turned 18 and moved up to London, I think for uni, we got back in contact. I think we went to Pride together, actually, which was really quite mm-hmm. a, a nice kind of full circle. Like looking through some of the old notes from that time and the way that I thought it's, it's it's like looking at a different person. It's it's quite surreal sometimes. But then I can still like, if you wanted to have a, a debate with me about like homosexuality in the Bible or the existence of God or any of those topics, I'm probably, I could still argue both sides quite well because I've done that much research into it and I understand the different perspectives. Yeah. I'm 
not sure that I fully have the gravity of how involved in the church you were to the level that maybe you want to describe a bit more, but it almost sounds a little bit like you went from an incredibly passionate belief system now to like a very academic understanding. And and I'm curious, like from your perspective, the, the intensity with which you followed the church and uh, spent your life in there, like when you decided to leave, what did you do with all that time? <laughs> I mean, that was something that I'm still kind of, I guess, not dealing with. Like I, you know, I found other things to do with my time now, but the, church has definitely left a massive hole in my life that's probably part of the reason why i moved from london to manchester was that there was just so much of my life that was tied up in the church in london that i almost needed a change of scenery to build myself back up again the the energy that i put into the church and the um like the the excitement the passion that i had for it i guess has been kind of replaced with my passion in politics in uh, I spent two years of my life when I first moved to Manchester working as a charity fundraiser so I would be going to different towns across the north of England standing in the high street trying to basically kind of preach at people about human rights or about uh, animal rights or children who are dying of brain injuries and the the importance of helping them and so it was almost like I traded one religion and one belief system for another, although a very different kind of belief system. You hinted at this with the idea of moving and so much of your life changing. I mean, how did your friends network and all that change? I know when I moved from one country to another, a lot of friendships sort of dwindled or or sunsetted just because of distance. And I'm imagining that would be a case here too, but I'm imagining also that there were people who, who, decided maybe not to be your friend because you were no longer a believer and that was so important to them. And I mean, first of all, did you ever do that with anybody who decided to leave when you were still in the church? And, and did, did that happen to you as a result? There's a phrase that will be familiar to anyone who's been in the church, which is backsliding, um, which is the kind of the notion that you're um, backsliding away from God, that your faith is taken a kind of an about turn almost and you're you're moving away from christianity and the belief in god and jesus and all of that stuff and i definitely would have judged people when i was a christian if they backslid if they stopped believing if they questioned things i'd see it as a weakness i'd see it as um a sin i guess so yeah there's definitely been people who once were really really close friends of mine that no we no longer speak because i've left the church but a lot of it was just friendships kind of naturally the their course came to an end almost i'm still friends with some people like the people that matter i'm still in contact with and still good friends with but there's also like i hear stories of like Baptist church that I was part of, I think still holds prayer meetings for me every so often, uh-huh. which is quite sweet, but um, quite weird to hear as well. that <laughs> They're like praying for my salvation when I've, I feel more free and liberated than I did when I was in the church. I found more community in other places. So I 
uh, there's a podcast that I still listen to now that really helped me in that time, which is uh, the Liturgist podcast. And they've got a really great online community and they ho- hold events and stuff in the US and the UK. So I've been to a couple of their events in London and met people through that community that have become really good friends and have supported me through this. I'm curious, and this is perhaps just an unfair question because it's uh, a bit hypothetical, but I, I'm just curious of your response. So imagine this, the story that you outline on your show, The Liminal Podcast, and I'll, I'll link the show and I'll specifically link the episode as well so people can listen into it if they're curious. Um, talks about how the the process of working with the church and, and aiming to become you know a bigger part of the organization as well as part of becoming a vicar. And I'm curious because you also had hinted that your opinions were affected and doubt had crept in a little bit, but you sort of kept on that path that you had set yourself upon uh, and that change and that change is really hard for people to do, but you uh, decided to make a big change altogether. I'm curious though, had you stuck with it? Imagine, you know, putting yourself in the shoes of the vicar, Gordon. Um, do you think you would have been maybe a more liberal person? I think your personality lent itself to be um, challenged a bit and you were almost aiming to become more uh, academic with your belief. So when you talk about what they were teaching you, when things were written and what the context of things that were written in various books in the Bible, do you think you would have been a very different vicar than you were, uh, you know, a youthful member of the church? Uh, definitely. Yeah. I actually have a friend from the church that was in a similar position to me. Uh, we were both quite liberal in terms of our beliefs. We were both quite open to questions and stuff. And we were both on the path to ordination and becoming a vicar. And last year or earlier this year, he actually got ordained and is now one of the, I don't know if he's been ordained a priest yet, but he's certainly been ordained a deacon in uh, Croydon, which is actually where I went to college, which is a bit Mm. strange. Yeah. So I think I, I definitely would have been a more liberal Christian, I definitely wouldn't have been as close-minded and exclusionary. I think I'd have been a very inclusive vicar. Towards the tail end of me, um, when I was still like involved in the church, I was getting involved in like there's a movement called Diverse Church, which is all about LGBT Christians and finding a like welcoming environments for them because it can be really difficult if you're a member of the LGBT community and you're also a Christian to find a place where you feel welcome because uh, you know I've got some friends who are part of both of those communities and it's almost like you're pushed away from the church because you're gay and you're pushed away from the gay community because you're a Christian and so being able to find communities where inclusivity is the paramount and where people are able to express their doubts, their questions in a way that's non-judgmental would have been the kind of church that I'd have been part of. And I still follow a lot of Christian thinkers, a lot of pastors and vicars who are part of those kind of congregations. And every so often I'm tempted to go back, but then I realize I, I should probably believe in the God that they believe in. And I don't think I do. So I don't think I could be part of that community in the same way. Do you believe in God now? Like capital G, lowercase g? Um, Certainly not the God of Christianity, 
was certainly not the one that was presented to me growing up anyway. I think like God, lowercase g, there's, there's tons of them all over the place. You know, you look at people like Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, um, Donald Trump to a lot of Americans is a God. So I think that, you know, things that we worship and that we put as um, Paul Tillich uh, describes it as like your ultimate concern. It's the thing that you hold as the most important thing. It's the like the the thing that you make all of your decisions um, in light of. And, you know, I think that there's definitely, I, I have um, gods in my life, you know, whether it's, you know, certain products that I love, certain TV shows that I watch, um, but in terms of God, capital G, um, Paul Tillich again describes God as being the ground of all being. And that idea I really like, um, like the, the way that I had it presented to me, which made it really make sense is that if you imagine you've got a tray of 10 items on it, if you add God to that, it's not like suddenly you've got 11 items on the tray. You've still got 10 items there, but God changes the way that you interact with and connect with those 10 objects. And I almost see God as that. It's not, God isn't one thing. God isn't a being or a, an energy or a force external to this world, but God is the very electricity connecting us all together. And whether that's a supernatural being or whether that is just the word that we use to describe the whatever it is that holds atoms together. I, I don't know, but I, I do believe in something. I just, I, I wouldn't know to put words to it, I guess, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, asking someone to describe exactly what they believe in general is always a difficult thing. And, and in the sense of not having a defined doctrine of what you do believe to then be like, what do you believe in is obviously a very, very tricky question. Um, I'm curious for your advice on something. So I'm, I'm going to pull us out of religion and ask for your, I guess, more generic advice. So, you know, we're in a pandemic right now and uh, coronavirus has changed a lot in people's lives, even from a healthcare perspective, but outside of that in social perspectives too. Um, a lot of people who've done things in their entire life or have dedicated their lives to something or somebody have seen a lot of that changing now for better or for worse. It's just the original January 2020 version of them is different now than the, you know, November 2020 version of them that they'll see. So I'm curious as someone who's had basically your whole life change in a pretty big way and to the point where I would say you were driving in one direction and pulled almost a full 180 or even just like a left turn, big left turn or right turn. What do you say to somebody whose life is changing now? I, I guess I'd say, firstly, you're not on your own. In these times, it can feel quite isolating, especially if everything that you've ever known is suddenly different and is changing and your maybe your environment's changed, maybe your relationships are changing, your work environment, etc. The lesson that I've really learned is to embrace change, is to almost treat change as the norm. I'm becoming very very comfortable with admitting that i was wrong about something and knowing that the things that make sense to me today probably won't make sense in the same way tomorrow the things that i say that i believe today i probably won't believe tomorrow i, I 
life is defined by change and change is a constant thing. So I think the sooner that we learn to to embrace that and become comfortable with it and just accept it, the more comfortable we can be in that, I guess. You know, that's that's what we talk about on our podcast, Liminal Podcast. We talk about changes that people have gone through in their lives. And I think just normalizing that conversation and normalizing the idea that you don't have to be what people expect of you. You don't have to live by the like kind of scripts that you've been handed down from you know, your parents or from your boss or whatever. Um, I think it can be very liberating, but also incredibly terrifying at the same time. Yeah, I'm happy you mentioned your show because I wanted to ask about the genesis of that. And I realized using the word genesis is a bit of a tongue-in-cheek comment. Um, so the experience of making the show about people who have gone through changes, you know, you and I talked about that when I was on your show. In the experience that you've had, was that the spark to make the show? Like, how did the show come about? So that was definitely a part of the the reason why we started the show. Um, I, I started it with a friend of mine, Joe, and we, I mean, initially it basically just started as, you know, we're in the pandemic. We've got a lot of time on our hands. Let's start a podcast and see what happens. But it eventually turned into, I think once I shared my story and once we kind of got comfortable with what we were doing we realized that these conversations about liminal space about these changes in our lives are firstly really interesting Uh, we've kind of tried to have a balance of interviewing people that we know and also interviewing uh, you know other people from around the world and just being able to realize that even the people that i thought i knew really well when we came to actually chat to them there's so much that's gone on in their lives so much that has changed in terms of their perspectives, their understandings. So it's something that I think is, is a fascinating thing because even, you know, we've got another episode coming up of a, a very similar story to mine of somebody that left the church because of similar things, but their the, where they've got to since then is completely different. You know, the, just that whole kind of, I guess, exploring, people's experience of change of these kind of liminal points these thresholds where we're not our old life you know when you know i i was no longer a christian i no longer believed in god and you know even today i still don't really know what i am after that i'm still in the process of discovering that and that is essentially what we like to what we like to explore on our show so you led me to my final question for you are you still searching for some meaning uh, or have you settled into some sort of unknown? There is something intrinsically human about searching for meaning and finding meaning in the world, in uh, you know our experiences. It's a stumbling block, I think, in order to achieve true, dare I say, enlightenment, I guess. <laughs> um, it's... I think I'm I'm slowly becoming more and more comfortable with the fact that I'm probably wrong about what I believe, but also becoming, I guess, comfortable with detaching myself from those meanings. I mean, I've been uh, reading a lot of kind of writing and um, thoughts about non-dual 
thinking and uh, non-duality and this whole idea of the the labels that we put on things you know this is a microphone this is a speaker this is a glass of coffee you know th- these labels that we put on things almost mean that we lose the interest of of what they are you know as soon as we say okay that's a glass of coffee immediately we we lose the mystery of the unique things about that I guess I'm becoming more and more content with the fact that even though meaning does help and it does serve a purpose, ultimately, everything is pretty meaningless. And to quote the Bible, which I I do like to do every so often, there's a book in uh, the Bible called uh, Ecclesiastes. And the refrain in that is that everything is meaningless. Everything is meaningless. The, The whole earth is meaningless. There's nothing new under the sun. And the word that is used to define meaningless in that uh, can actually be translated as vapor or mist. Mm. And just the idea that everything is just vapor, everything is just mist. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. And if we actually kind of take a step back and realize how tiny we are and how insignificant we are, it can be quite depressing but it can also i'm finding it certainly quite liberating because you know if if everything's meaningless and you know if everything is just vapor then we may as well enjoy it it's a bit of like why search for this simple answer to what should be a complicated experience Mm. it's you know the we're we're never going to be able to sum everything up and understand everything in its entirety there's always going to be more to know there's always going to be more to understand and i think it is helpful to search for that meaning and search for that understanding but if we focus on that too much then we miss the beauty of this moment at the start i mentioned my search for a greater meaning behind many of the moments in my life But as Gordon's struggle and emergence from his past was illuminated, sometimes more meaning isn't the answer, and that it actually muddies just the experience of experiencing. I really appreciate how the catalyst of Gordon's changes were tied to exposure of new people and ideas. And in our weird, closed-off world, before the pandemic, but certainly amplified by it, it seems all too easy to just ignore those inflection points in our lives. There are ones that might have altered our courses permanently, and we avoid them because, as he mentions, change is terrifying. So, wherever you are, if you're in a lockdown or not, the only thing I can ask for you is to just take it slow. Notice what's around you, appreciate the small things if you can, and perhaps the greater expression of meaning might come around this time. Or maybe you'll just appreciate it that little bit more. That's it for today's story. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, you can subscribe to get the latest updates anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have a moment and you're feeling generous, please leave a review. I'd really appreciate it, and it helps me understand how to make this show even better. For more info on me and this concept, you can visit our website at onesimplequestion.co. One Simple Question is hosted by me, Abhishek Lahoti, Thank you so much for listening. I hope you tune in again soon, and bye for now.